0: Chapter six of Clogshot Chronicles by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Coals of Fire Four dusky figures sat toasting themselves at the Clogshot fire. Long Ben occupied the ingle nook nearest the door, and Sam Speck the other, whilst Jabe and Jethro, the knocker-up, were in front. A heavy thaw was going on outside and the fire was therefore so large that those who did not enjoy the shelter of the nook were as jethro remarked frizzled on one side and frozen on t'other evidently something serious was under discussion jabe's bristly brows were drawn together his lips pursed out grimly and his tell-tale leg was riding up and down over the end of the other knee at a furious rate sam's small face seemed to have sharpened under some internal feeling and Jethro sat in his favourite attitude, with his chin propped on his knees, glowering into the fire. Long Ben's flabby and hairy face was drawn up into that pathetic pucker, suggestive of imminent weeping, which it always assumed when anything mentally disagreed with him. There'll be a turbal judgment for all this," said Jethro, moving his head round solemnly in his knee-propped hands. "Well, if there is na ost give or believe in e providence." That's all about it, said Sam with great emphasis. Dona thee may I thyself, answered Jabe, i have lived a good while NOW, and ne'er SEED it miss yet. If as out true of the Bible, it's thou text. Be sure your sin will find you out, and it always does, and especially sins o' this sort. Why, dost think as th Almighty's wust DARN on this mac of sins nor any other, asked Jethro or mean to say as i've known o two-three chaps in my time as has played force wi women but i haven't known one case where it didn't come back on em ten times wuss now he added after a moment's reflection not thodden the general principle laid down by jabe obtained unanimous acceptance in beckside but this particular application of it was new and so his friends sat in silence for a few moments meditating on the law thus expounded and ransacking their memories for examples confirmatory or otherwise if jimmy juddy hed as mitch pluck as a mass, began sam presently but just then the shop door opened and in stepped a man stamping his slushy clogs as he did so he was a stumpy fellow with a rough red face a slight cast in one eye and a fringe of straight red hair under his chin jabe and jethro as soon as they saw who the visitor was made pantomimic facial signals to those in the nook and looked hard for a moment at each other and then at their pipe-bowls gowd neat chaps said the last comer but nobody spoke and sam muttered something under his breath about impudence. Astony Tony backer said the stranger to jabe pulling out his pipe but jabe usually generous in his distribution of dark shag neither moved nor spoke the intruder perched himself on the protruding end of the bench on which Long Ben sat, and after glancing around with a slightly perplexed look, slapped Jabe on the sleeve and said with a show of triumph, "Now, nah, there, sees, we should a been if I'd wed yond wench, or should a luke wheel we a paralysed wife, shouldn't a? Or a nobbut just in time, there, sees. But my luck!" But he never finished his tale of self-gratulation, for he was suddenly seized from behind by the coat collar jerked to his feet and then lifted up and thrown across the clog shop counter as a schoolmaster throws a boy over a bench and long ben with white quivering face and blazing eyes stood over him and picking up an unfinished clog sole held him tightly down and belaboured him schoolmaster fashion until he kicked and bellowed and even cursed laying on until the victim's howl became a shriek ben suddenly stopped opened the shop door and flung the sufferer out into the dark road where he landed in a heap of slushy snow quietly closing the door and putting down the catch so that the offender could not return ben lounged back to his seat in the nook in a somewhat breathless condition after the first little start of surprise the assembled friends had watched ben's proceedings with considerable satisfaction and now though not a muscle of their faces moved they listened to the evicted visitors curses outside without a single sign that they heard and the next remark that was made was on a totally different subject which gives an opportunity of explaining the meaning of what had just happened the man whose ignominious expulsion has been described lived at the other that is the mill lane end of the irregular little row of cottages in which the clog shop stood he kept a sort of store and, disclaiming all such distinctions as usually obtain amongst tradesmen seemed to have adopted the most profitable branches of each business and was something of a grocer something of a draper did a little in the hardware and ironmongery with a blending of chemistry butchering green grocery and tailoring it was even darkly hinted in certain quarters that he was not above a little illicit trade in clogs the building he occupied had been left to him by his father but so disposed of that he could neither sell nor forfeit it for a short time the father of the present occupant had got the premises licensed under the name of the bull inn but as beckside could not sustain two public houses and the bridge inn was well established the speculation failed but ever afterwards the villagers associated the owners with this unfortunate venture and so the present occupant was known not as hiram crompton but as hiram bull or by the older people as hiram bill bull hiram possessed strong rude health which gave him a good flow of animal spirits and developed in him the habit of loud blustering laughter but that this was not good nature was made abundantly clear by the fact that he manifested an unscrupulous directness as to his own interests a total disregard for the feelings and interests of others and a keen enjoyment of misfortune or suffering in his fellow mortals there was also a certain rough smartness about him and a sublime self-confidence which made the oracular jabe say again and again that brains is nout where brazen us comes. Some time before the episode above described, Alice Crawshaw, Jimmy Juddy's sister, who at that period was a sweet fair-haired girl of about four-and-twenty, amazed everybody by accepting an offer of marriage from Hiram. That Jimmy disapproved of the union goes without saying. There was a series of painful scenes at Beckbottom, first between Jimmy and Hiram, and then between Jimmy and his sister, but Hiram carried the day, and Alice seemed infatuated. In his loud way, the storekeeper was proud of his conquest, but more because it was a triumph over others than because he had any extraordinary attachment to Alice. Becksiders never became reconciled to the arrangement. For every few days some new story of Hiram's greed or cruelty was circulated, and people pitied Alice when it was known that the wedding day was fixed, and the bride-elect was making her wedding dress and bespeaking the guests. One night about this time Long Ben went to the clog shop with a face that was a flag of distress. Jabe, who was alone, perceived it, and knew better than to ask any questions. Presently, after many relightings of a pipe, which somehow would not keep in, Ben applied a blazing chip to his clay, and remarked between the resultant puffs in his slow way, ''Bill Bull, will ne'er be deed while his son lives.'' It sounded as though he had finished, but Jabe knew better, and so commenced picking wax from his horny fingers, and Ben pulled a nail out of his pocket, and poked it down the still refractory pipe-bowl as he resumed. Or sawed him clipping, embracing, Tom Plum's widow o'er the canter as I went past this forenoon, an exclamation broke from Jabe's lips, but he checked himself as Ben continued, Thou'll see there'll be no wedding at the beck bottom yond," and so it proved. For though poor Tom Bibby, generally known as Tom Plum, had only been dead a few weeks, Hiram had already shown quite extraordinary energy in obtaining the widow's smile, and as Tom had left her one thousand two hundred pound nobody looked far for the reason alice crawshaw heard of the matter pretty early of course but laughed at the idea of it and went gaily on with her bridal preparations she wanted a little dress lining of some sort one day and slipped up to hiram's as the nearest shop to procure it after a little playful talk during her selection of the material she turned to go when hiram called her back and said with smiling brutality "'There mun be no more marlickin' between thee and me, Alice. I'm going to marry Tilly Plum next week.' Alice gasped, but the entrance of a customer set Hiram off in a garrulous conversation with the last arrival, and poor Alice, with white face and whiter lips, held her hand to her side and fled home. A few days later, Hiram and Tilly went away to be married, and returned home on what should have been Alice's wedding-day alice had never been seen in the village since quiet jimmy her brother not yet recovered from the disgrace of his dismissal from the mill went about with his head down and old mattie their mother had fainted in the class meeting and long ben had had to take her home in his spring cart next morning news passed from loom to loom in the mill weaving shed that the doctor had been seen going in great haste to beckbottom and by noon everybody knew that alice juddy had had a stroke this last event was the one under discussion when hiram entered the clog shop and the details now given will explain what then took place but hiram continued to prosper and the prophecies with which this story commenced remained unfulfilled but they were not forgotten hiram was not the sort of person to hide his light under a bushel and every now and again some fresh act of hard brazen greed brought him vividly before people's minds and evoked fresh crops of fateful prediction then till he died and hiram after making a scene of blubbering emotion at the grave which caused silas the chapel-keeper to declare or well he picked him into the hall dismissed the mourners without the customary tea and was seen out the same evening at his favourite sport of rabbit shooting in a few weeks the storekeeper brought another wife home a stranger but as he was disappointed in his expectation that she was well off her money going from her on a remarriage, she was as jabe put it natter to deeth in no time then hiram by some trickery got possession of a bit of land at the end of long ben's property and immediately set up a most unscrupulous claim as to the right of light and proceeded on resistance to put up spite and malice boards outside ben's end windows This drove the quiet carpenter into the most distasteful litigation, from which he finally withdrew at the eleventh hour, leaving Hiram to gloat over an expensive victory. Besides these more prominent episodes, the bull, as he was now invariably called, kept himself in people's minds by numberless acts of petty cheating and oppression, aggravating the feeling against him, until the clog shop club gave up prediction in despair and Sam Speck became so cynical in his remarks about Providence that Jabe declared it was nowt short of blasphemious. Then Hiram began to gamble, and became the chief patron of the pigeon flyers and foot racers who frequented the bridge inn, greatly angering Jabe and his friends by exploiting one of the most promising youths at the Sunday school and turning him into a sprint-runner under the title of the Lancashire Deerfoot. When Jimmy Juddy was married, and came with his sister and mother to live at the Fold Farm, Hiram had the effrontery to try to patch up the long estrangement, but Jimmy's wife undertook the matter, and so coomed his yeux for him, that he was glad to get away, and revenged himself by mocking poor Alice's lameness as she went past on her crutch. This last offence was still burning in the breasts of the Confederates of the Cloggery when most startling news came to Beckside. Old Croppy, the Brogdon Renton Debt Collector, brought it, and told it to the first person he met, who happened to be Sam Speck. Without waiting for full details, Sam hurried to the clog shop, and electrified Jabe by opening the door and shouting, It's come at last! and then rushed out to fetch Ben, picking up Jethro as he returned. It was a proud moment for Sam, and after banging the door too, and setting his back against it, as if afraid someone would escape before he could tell his tale, he exclaimed, "'The bull's busted!' After a moment's pause to get his breath, he descended to such details as he knew. Hiram had embarked some three years before in a coal-mine speculation at Yardley Woods beyond Duxbury. Suddenly there had been a collapse, and as his co-speculators were men of no substance, and the liability was unlimited, the creditors, who had been shamefully robbed, came down on Hiram. Croppy's report turned out to be substantially correct, and when the sale came, every member of the club attended, and seemed to derive grim satisfaction from watching the gradual despoilment of the oppressor's residence. Hiram himself was there in his shirt-sleeves, pretending to render obsequious assistance to the auctioneer and his clerks, and laughing his hoarse laugh over sundry jokes of his own, Towards evening, however, he grew quiet, and a haggard, desperate look sat on his face. When the sale was over, there was an adjournment to the usual council chamber. There was only a small make-believe fire as it was early summer, but the friends gathered round it from sheer force of habit, and soon every available seat was occupied, and the clog shop full of smoke. Everybody saw retribution in the circumstances of the day. "'Everybody admitted the ampleness of the judgment, "'and everybody had his own particular wise saw "'or text of scripture to confirm his opinion. "'We can run fast and run fur, "'as one of the old ministers used for to say,' "'said lies the road-mender, "'but there's one a boon as owds the reins, "'and he can bring us down to our marabones any minute, "'if it suits him.' "'Aye,' sighed Four or Five, through pipe-embarrassed lips and the irrepressible sam gave a new turn to the conversation by observing Or oh, wonder what he'll do for a bed to neat he'll ha to lie up the boards i'm thinking. a rather lengthy silence followed during which each seemed to be occupied with his own particular mental picture of the ruined man in the empty house long ben who had never spoken during the discussion now began to manifest signs of uneasiness after puffing out several volumes of smoke in rapid succession he heaved a deep sigh and then said meditatively he used do my sums for me at the school ay and he's been doing sums for folk ever sin plenty knows to the sorra rejoined sam and the rest attracted by the first word not condemnatory which had been spoken of hiram that night turned their eyes on ben in mild surprise ben fidgeted in his seat and just when the inquiring eyes were turning away from him, he brought them back with wide-open astonishment as he murmured, "'When all were in bed with the mazels, he brought me a brid's nest before four eggs in, just to breed me up a bit.' And Ben's voice quivered most strangely as he recalled this boyhood reminiscence. "'He's mostly spent his time robbing nieces, nests, since he grew up,' said Sam again. Ben made an impatient gesture with his pipe and Jabe, his eyes gleaming with a look of injured justice, said, "'Why, thou'll want a wipe wash-out scratch next?' There was an awkward pause, and presently Ben took his pipe out of his mouth, carefully and deliberately reared it in the extreme corner of the nook, and then, rising to his full height, and buttoning his coat as a preparation for departure, he said, "'Chaps, what say say's reet enough, but one as ye all know said, "'If thy enemy hunger,' feed him, and Ben Barber's no going to sleep in a warm bed to eat while one of his fellers lies on bare boards. Now, not even if his name's Hiram Bull.' With an agitated gesture, Ben strode to the door. As he got opposite the window, however, he suddenly pulled up whilst the rest all heard the fold farm garden gate click. Ben, peering through the dusty glass, made an exclamation which instantly brought every man in the shop to his side, and, following the direction of his eyes, they saw Jimmy Juddy looking cautiously up and down to see that nobody was about. Then he stepped lightly back into the house, and almost instantly returned carrying a single bed and a pillow, whilst Alice stole quietly after him, carrying in her free hand a basket of provisions. Not a man in the shop drew his breath, as jimmy and his sister crossed the triangle towards hiram's for when they had passed every man turned and looked into his neighbour's face with an expression on his own of wonder admiration and rising shame Nah, that is religion cried long ben at last struggling to keep back a rush of tears and then flinging open the door and crying in a choking voice i'll ne'er be beaten beaten We a lame woman he plunged into the twilight in the direction of home. Hiram, under the combined influence of drink and desperation, was attempting to sing a public-house song, accompanied by two pigeon-flyers who had come to offer him a bed for the night, when Jimmy and his sister, white and trembling, knocked at his door. "'Come in!' he shouted, and Jimmy stepped into the middle of the almost empty room, and threw down the bed and pillow, whilst Alice, her heart beating almost into her ears, "'Followed him. "'It's no but a em but that welcome to it, Hiram,' stammered Jimmy, "'straightening himself, and Alice added, "'And here's a two or three vittles for, for the sake of owd times.' "'And then she broke down and began to cry. "'And then there came a bang at the half-open door, "'and Jabe came limping in with a three-legged table, "'followed by Lige carrying some fire-irons and an old copper kettle.' sam speck came next with a collection of crockery and in a minute or two afterwards long ben brought a hand-cart on which was a wooden bedstead which he had actually taken from under one of his own children by this time hiram's sporting friends had sidled off and hiram was sitting leaning his head on one arm which was laid across the arm of his chair one or two spoke to him but he never answered and so at a signal from jabe the visitors stole quietly away and Hiram was alone with the tokens of a human kindness in which he had never believed early next morning jethro going his knocking up rounds found the storekeeper pulling down the spite and malice boards outside ben's side windows and on the following sunday he slunk into chapel after the service had commenced and crept into silas's box behind the door next week he was seen helping silas to clean the chapel out and it soon began to be prophesied that Alice Crawshaw and he would marry after all. But they never did, for Jimmy's gentle sister died next year, and Hiram almost immediately emigrated, carrying with him one strange piece of luggage, a woman's crutch. Ever since then, the collection at the Salmons has been helped up by a bank order from the States, with which there always comes an unsigned note, inscribed, in memory of Alice Crawshaw. End of chapter 6